All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Welcome back to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. It's Tim today. Obviously, I'm not John. John is on vacation with his second home, which is about 10 minutes away from his regular home. But hey, John, you know, some people like to go far away when they're on vacation. John doesn't, John's world is pretty small. He likes it that way. Uh, they have a beautiful little beach house so up in Northport, Michigan. And he's there all week. So I will be bringing you the news and the, the noteworthy stuff. We might hear back from him. I don't know. I never know what to expect from him. Um, but yeah, it's just me today. So we're going to cover a few different things. Uh, I want to get into the Lundquist stuff. He obviously retired. Matthew's made some interesting comments I want to touch on. Owen Powers returned to Michigan, which I think is, is a really cool topic. But before we get into all of that, uh, <clears throat> just want to bring up again the, the super fan contest. We are picking winners next week. We've had some awesome submissions. Here's how it works. Uh, we know we've seen like a lot of the repeat people that engage with us on social media. Tell us how much they love the show. We want to recognize you. So we're doing this little contest. Um, submit a video telling us why you're the show's number one listener. Send it to contact at droppingthegloves.com. You'll get extra points for humor and creativity. The winner's going to get some signed stuff. No lie. You'll get one of those new Violent Gentleman shirts we've been, we've been promoting. John's going to sign some stuff. I'll sign some stuff if you want it, but no one wants that. So um, if you haven't submitted yet, please do. We get you know another week or so uh, to collect those submissions. And uh, yeah, it's been fun. Hopefully you see some more. And uh, yeah, stay tuned for that for a winner. So Henrik Lundqvist retired uh, over the over the weekend, basically. And he's one of those guys, you know, I, I, when I started getting into hockey, I was probably a high school age. That's when I really, really started getting into it. So like 2005, 2006, something like that as a freshman. And and Lundqvist is one of those guys where, you know, the lot, Ryan Miller, the same way. The last few years they played, they played such, they, so long, such an older age that the game tails off a little bit. They get some health issues. They're not the guy they were in their prime. And then that's sort of what you remember. That's kind of what sticks with you sometimes. And you forget how good these guys actually were. And Lundqvist is just, oh, my goodness. It's hard to imagine a better goal over the last 10, 15, 20 years. Um, he used to, like, single-handedly will the Rangers to victory, like, on a daily basis. And I was going through his his stats, his profile, all that stuff. I want to read you off a couple of records that he has to his name. <clears throat> He's the only goalie in NHL history to record 30 wins in each of his first seven seasons. He has the most shutouts by a goaltender in Madison Square Garden, 
a couple of Rangers. He's got basically every Rangers club record games played in a single season, 73 in 09, in 09, 10, like <laughs> goalies don't do that anymore. 73 games. I imagine that play like a starter now is going to be good for 50 or 55. That's considered a workhorse these days. He put in 73. Obviously, he's the Rangers' all-time leader in shutouts, both regular season and playoffs with the combined 77. Most wins by a New York Rangers goaltender. Fastest goaltender to reach 400 wins in NHL history. Most shutouts by a Rangers goaltender. Most playoff wins by a Rangers goaltender. Here's another cool one. He's got the most wins by a European-born goaltender in NHL history. Um, so, yeah, he was pretty good. He's sixth all-time in wins. Five-time All-Star. He was nominated for the Vezina five times. He was won once, I think, in 2013. Um, he was nominated for the, no, it was 2012 because he was nominated for the Hart in 2012 as well. Uh, but Gino Malkin ended up winning that one. So obviously, they don't call him the king for nothing. And he seems like one of those guys too. I mean, he's so talented. He's a really good tennis player. He shreds in the guitar. He looks like a supermodel. Like if he wasn't good at hockey. I, you'd think he'd be famous for something else. Like if he wasn't a hockey player, we'd still know his name for something. He'd probably be playing pro tennis or, you know, be the front man for some famous band. He's just that one of those guys, just everything. Uh, he makes everything look easy. It's talent, you know, oozing out of him. Um, obviously a heck of a career. It's just too bad that he doesn't get to go out on his own terms. Like Shea Weber just a few weeks ago, just injuries, just wearing him down. And guys like that who put in so many miles who have earned the respect of of fans and and teammates and guys on you know across the league um you want them to be able to go out on their terms dictate the way that they you know retire basically and and we've seen a, you know a few good ones the last few years Patrick Marlowe um David Backus has some wonderful celebrations with his family and the respect that he got um you've seen a lot of that and Lundqvist isn't going to get that which is really unfortunate and Weber's probably not going to either the other thing I was thinking about was that uh, you probably saw the tweet from Luongo over the weekend to Lundqvist. Hilarious. Um, go look it up if you don't know. I want to keep it PG, so I won't touch on it. But the two guys that never won a cup, Luongo and Lundqvist, which is crazy because they're, you know, two of the best goalies of my lifetime, arguably the two best, and then certainly two of the best goalies in the history of the league, and never won a cup. They both went to the finals once, I believe. Luongo lost to the Bruins in 2011. And I think the um, Lundqvist was against the Kings in 2013 or 14. Um, Carey Price right there with him last year. So I, I don't know. It's just too bad that, you know, I'm seeing some arguments being made from Mike Richter being a better goalie for the Rangers because uh, he had a cup and Lundqvist didn't, which I think is just, it's crazy. It's asinine. I mean, if you look at the teams that there was in front of Richter with Gretzky and Messier, and look at, I mean, not that the Rangers had some good teams over the years. They had some big names come through. They won on that deep cup run in 2014, but the, he did not have a team in front of him like Richter did. And Richter did not put up the numbers that Lundqvist did. Lundqvist did. Uh, he'll always have the cup to its name. And, and certainly Lundqvist will always have a, you know, a little bit of a question mark to him because he never won a cup. He's one of the greats who never won, but um, Lundqvist is a better goalie. And and I hope Price gets it. I hope he doesn't get, you know, lumped in with those guys. But I, to me, they're, they're all just so similar for that reason. Just total workhorses, total faces of their franchises. They were the best player on their team basically every year. Um, and to not win a cup is just too bad. But, I, I, you know, Price, uh, hopefully, hopefully last year wasn't a fluke for the Habs. Um but yeah, Henrik Lundqvist have a heck of a career. 
Uh, he deserves it. They already announced that his name's going to get lifted into the rafters in Madison Square Garden. Obviously, that's well deserved. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. But you know, give him a uh, give him a tweet or a comment because he's been replying to a bunch I saw over the weekend. So you never know. He does check this stuff. It actually means more to players than you realize. So recognize him. Um, the other thing, so pound for pound, we we announced this uh, the, the YouTube show that we've been doing the last. We, honestly, this give you a little like behind the scenes here. We recorded a lot of those episodes like pre pandemic, like almost two years ago. Um, and we kind of held on to him a little bit. We were trying to find the right partner to promote him, to share him. Cause we believed in him so much. We didn't want to just rush it out um, and have it just sort of under deliver and have it not get, you know, to many, as many people as possible. Hockey fight stepped up. It's right on brand for them. So basically it's, you know, behind the scenes stories like you've never heard before from some of the most entertaining and fearsome, you know, enforcers over the last couple of decades. Uh, episode one with Paul Bissonnette, you know, lead more heavily to the entertaining side than the fearsome. But he was a good fighter, underrated scrapper. Um, and he's obviously hilarious. Last week, we released the George's Larac episode, who is arguably the toughest enforcer of all time. There are a lot of people that say that. And the stories they're telling are absolutely, like, incredible. Just like the way... I don't know. I mean, hopefully if you listen to this show enough, you've seen that already. We've had plenty of these guys on the show. John talks about it all the time, but a lot of time the enforcers get sort of, um, I don't know, just pigeonholed into just being like a big, strong, dumb brute where they punch people for a living and that's their job and that's their whole existence. But there's a whole, there's an art behind it. There's a science behind it. But more than that, like these guys are cerebral. These guys think, and they torment themselves and they get excited. The highs and lows that it comes from being a hockey enforcer is just something that no other, I don't know. I mean, maybe the, the, the martial arts careers guys could, could relate to that, but you know, most of the guys in their own team don't know what they're, they're going through. You know, John talks about not being able to sleep the night before he has to go fight uh, a McIntyre or, or McGratton or somebody Paris um, so the stories they tell, they're, they're totally eye-opening, they're humbling, and, and they're hilarious. There was one uh, from the Lorac episode. Listen, like literally, go listen to it right now, but um, after this episode, of course. But Lorac was so like good at what he did and so fearsome that he never – he stopped fighting because guys wouldn't say yes to him. Like he'd ask for a fight, and they'd, they'd always say no. <laughs> they didn't want to tangle with him, and who can blame him? But he told this one story where uh, – guys started faking conversations so their coach and teammates would think they asked him to fight and he said no so they literally walk up to him be like hey george's uh i'm not gonna fight you tonight i don't want to do it but i'm gonna ask you a question in like the next shift next time we're out i'm gonna ask you a question i just need you to say no and shake your head and then they would go up and be like any the example we gave like hey george's are you married and he'd be like no and he'd shake his head. And then the guy would go back to the bench and tell his teammates, like, yeah, man, I asked him to fight. He said no. So I did my job. What else do you want from me? That's how afraid they were of him. That's the kind of stuff you see. Like, it's almost like a, um, these negotiations going on in the ice, the setting the rules, setting the expectations. And there's, it's like a bartering system that happens on the ice. And it's just fascinating. Um, really, really cool look. The reviews are incredible. The comments and feedback we've got on the YouTube channel is just really, really I don't know. It's exciting. Um, we'll definitely do more of these. Uh, this is con- considered season one. So we got Steve McIntyre coming out this Friday, and then we're going to wrap up season one 
with uh, Ryan Reeves, Revo. So, um, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. You can only find it on Hockey Fights YouTube channel. It's not being released in podcast form, at least not yet. Watch the video because they do a really good job. You can see, you know, it's a video interview. You can see both John and whoever he's interviewing. And then we spliced, like, clips of the fight over, like, while they're talking about it. So you can see exactly what they're referencing when they're talking about grabbing the jersey or the things to say or the yapping and all that. So it's really, really good. Um, go check it out if you haven't yet and stay tuned for next episode with McIntyre, who honestly um, doesn't have a, as big a name as these other guys. I said Larock was one of the most fearsome of all time. McIntyre is right up there. McIntyre is a guy that John avoided. And I'll let him weigh in more on that uh, next time he's on. But stay tuned for that. Give it a subscribe and um, yeah, and share it with people because I think it's it's that good. It needs to be every hockey fan in the world should watch it. It's literally it's so good. The other thing over the weekend. Uh, Owen Powers, who was the first overall pick just a few weeks ago, uh, I guess a month or two ago now, um, by the Buffalo Sabres, announced that he was not going to go to training camp. Or sorry, he's not going to you know play for the Sabres this year. He's going to go back to Minnesota, uh, Michigan, to for college for sophomore year. And people are basically saying that it's like a huge diss on the Sabres that. The Sabres got disrespected, that it's humiliating for them, that their first overall pick doesn't even want to play for them yet. And I just I disagree completely. This kid is 18 years old. He was a true freshman and a young one at that at Michigan. And he has a chance to go back to the best team in college hockey, the number one ranked, where he's going to have a really good chance to win a national championship. Remember, it got cut short last year because of COVID. And four out of the top five guys in this past draft early this summer were from Michigan. That's how good of a team this is. This is an absolute wagon of a college hockey team. And again, he's 18. Who wouldn't want to be part of that? He's got his whole NHL career ahead of him. Give him some time to develop, get stronger, be quicker, be a leader for his team. The Sabres are not what this kid needs right now. He's not going to play great hockey. He's going to be frustrated. He's going to maybe, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say like he wouldn't have fun or like fall out of love with the game. Cause that's not true. These guys are still playing the sport they love for, you know, a living, but there's not a lot of joy in that locker room uh, or at least on that team. That's what it seems like from the outside in. And um, I just don't think that's going to help him in any way to go play in the NHL right now. Again, he's 18 years old, let him develop, let him get older, let him get stronger. You don't want him to be like the latest kid who's thrown into, into this lose, lose situation with tons of pressure rushed in and he's the focus of attention, and um, it ruins them. It happens a lot. The league has had so many examples where high draft picks were thrown into the Wolves too quickly, and it totally just ruined their confidence, ruined their development. You saw um, with Nail Yakupov, arguably it happened with Darlene already. He's sort of coming back on a little bit. You said it happened with a lot of younger players. You know, you can make the argument for Ryan Nugent Hopkins being thrown in too quickly. Um so, yeah, I think he made the right choice. Go catch some Michigan games if you want to watch them. This team's going to be really good. Like I said, they should win the national championship. Who can really blame them for not wanting to be a Sabre? But I don't think it really has – it means that the Sabres got disrespected or dissed or anything like that. I think it's just he's doing the right thing for himself. Um, and I'm sure the boys are happy to have him back. I don't know. I, I, you, can, you can disagree with me and tweet at us if you do. I, I like that. Um, we had a couple of people commenting on us to, to bring this up for tonight's show. Um, I just don't see a world where him going to play for the Sabres is a good idea right now. And which I think most people would agree with, but I don't think it's really a slight to Buffalo in any way. 
Um, I'm sure they want him to be the, the, you know, their, the core piece of their franchise for the future. And I don't know that taking a risk of rushing him along is going to help their, it's not like they're close to being even a competitive team, let alone a, a playoff team. So, um, and, you know, I, I, I've seen comments about like, Hey, plenty of guys have stepped in over the years to be franchise players at 18, turn that team into a championship team, blah, 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 blah. Um, it has nothing to do with Owen being soft or anything like that. I mean, he's there. There's only one Sidney Crosby in the world. There's only one Patrick Kane in the world. Those guys are few and far between that can just not only have the talent that they have, but that can withstand the pressure of being the face of an organization, the face of a franchise for a major city at 18 years old to be the guy on their team. Um, and just the fact that Owen Powers might not be that is not a slight to him in any way. Like even among first overall picks and high prospects, guys like Crosby and Kane, Ovechkin, Stamkos, they're a different breed. You know what I mean? Like not every first overall pick is going to be a franchise player necessarily. Um, I don't know. I just, Owen Powers, good for him. That's all I'm going to say about that. Speaking of first overall picks, Matthews, Austin Matthews, made some interesting comments uh, over the weekend as well. And, uh, you know, is it, I'm going to read it first and then let's, let's break it apart a little bit. So this is what he's quoted as saying. I truly believe that we're going to get it done. We're going to be better from our losses and learn and from the adversity that we faced end quote. So basically what he's saying is, Hey, we learned from our mistakes. We've overcome adversity. I believe in this group to win. Nothing really is uh, controversial there. Nothing remarkable there. Guys say stuff like that all the time. Not a big deal. Um, but the, the, the key word that jumped out to me was adversity. And so many good teams have had to go through it. Right now, the Leafs are like the punching bag of the NHL. They are the butt of the joke, and rightfully so. They haven't made it to the second round. This, it's been five or six years of first rounds and outs. Um, capped obviously by this one where they were supposed to be the team this year and go on a run and they get knocked out by the, a team that barely made the playoffs in the Montreal Canadiens. So, you know, it's got to be infuriating, frustrating, whatever, all the words you want to give it. If you're a, a Maple Leafs fan to the rest of the league, we're enjoying the heck out of it, obviously. Um, but the word adversity, let's go back to that. So give you some examples of teams that have had to overcome Adversity, and I don't just mean like not winning the cup, because every year twenty nine thirty teams don't win the cup, right? That's not really adversity, and 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 it's it's more like the way you go through it and how it changes what it, your your approach as a player, the way you play the game, the way you prepare, the way I don't know, you learn what it takes to be successful in the playoffs. We hear it time and time again. It's a totally different animal, right? So here's some examples. The most you know, common one, the Lightning, win two cups after the year before getting swept by the eighth seed Columbus Blue Jackets, right? So the Lightning, I think they won the President's Trophy. They were number one in their conference anyway. Um, they were like the, the, the team that was going to win it all. Like everyone had them in the finals at least. Like Stamkos was healthy. Hedman was just like being absolutely elite. Kucherov was putting up numbers. Vasilevsky was coming into, he was, you know, one of the best goalies in the league at this point. Um, and they got swept. They got swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets, right? 
And it's, it's crazy. Like I, I still remember that vividly. And I remember Nick Foligno being the captain of the team at the time, just the way he led those guys and the way that they outworked, outplayed, Tortorella coached the heck out of that team. Um, but think about what that does for that group when it's, you know, they'd already had a couple of playoff runs, hadn't done much. And finally, this was their year. They get swept, right? I'm going to come back to that in a minute. The next example, the Capitals, Washington Capitals, disappointed themselves, their fans over and over and over and over again to the point where even at, you know, 30, 31 years old, not even that old, we were all talking about what's Ovechkin's legacy going to be if he doesn't win a cup? What's Backstrom's legacy going to be, right? Because every year it seemed like they were winning president's trophies and winning 50 games and Ovechkin would lead the league in goals and he'd have 100 points and Carlson was putting up silly numbers and Backstrom arguably you know, the best playmaker in the league. And they had all these other pieces that were so good and they couldn't just seem to win. And it was, you know, the Sharks were doing it at the same time. They'd never got over that hump. Uh, The Capitals did eventually, right? Third example I'll give, the Bruins. In 2010, they, I think second round, everyone remembers this. They blew a three nothings lead seriously to Philadelphia and in game seven, they were up three, nothing and lost four to three as a Bruins fan. That is <laughs> uh, getting high. I was just thinking about it. It was awful and humiliating, right? Like you are the laughing stock of the league. I think it had never been done before to that point. And it was, if like, you can count on one hand, how many three, nothing series leads have been blown in all of sports. That's including baseball and basketball. It just doesn't happen. It does not happen and it happened to the Bruins what happened next year they won the Stanley Cup and you're you will never convince me that they had they not gone through that adversity and 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 approached it and attacked it and learned from it the way that they did that they wouldn't win the cup the next year the Capitals being disappointed over and over again how many times it's crazy to think now because you know they ended up winning but people were saying Ovechkin is never going to win they need to blow this team up, start over, build from, you know, refranchise these guys. It's just not going to work. This group does not have what it takes. Steven Stamkos, Kucherov, Hedman, Palat, Point. These guys are just don't have what it takes. They're not built for the playoffs. They're a regular season team, all the talent in the world. Can't get it done. They have to go through this adversity in order to do it. They have to learn. These guys, these are young, talented players, but you forget they're human, right? They have to go through this in order to – get that next level. Um, so going back to the, the Maple Leafs, I, you know, I love them choking as an objective fan of the game. Don't get me wrong. It, it, <laughs> losing in the first round after being the team that everyone talked about all year to the, t- to the Montreal Canadians who didn't barely made it into the playoffs. The whole thing just brought me so much joy. So I am not like a fan of theirs. I am not supporting them, but as I think about Matthew's comments and I think about the examples I just gave, and those are just three, like you can go and find more. Uh, Pittsburgh lost in, in 08 in the Stanley cup finals, come back the next year against the same team wins in 09. There's another one, right? Uh, I think it's not, I think Matthews and Marner, this core can and will win a Stanley cup. And John, if he was here, he would be screaming right now. He'd be yelling at me. They have a few things to figure out, more than a few. They need the right goalie. Freddie Anderson wasn't it. Jack Campbell's not it. I don't know. You, 
I like him actually, but you need a goalie who can carry you and, and win you games single-handedly, which they haven't and don't still have. Um, but if Matthews and Marner, and you want to throw in Tavares, Nylander, uh, Morgan Riley, if they can learn from this humiliation, is really a word for it, the same way that Ovechkin and Backstrom did, that Crosby and Malkin, Stamkos, Hedman, Bergeron, Krejci, if those guys can overcome what they did and learn from those struggles, that adversity, there it is again, why can't these guys do it? It's easy to say that they're too soft, they don't have what it takes, but we said that about Ovechkin. We said that about Stamkos. They did it. And when Kyle Dubas talks about, you know, believing in this group and and not blowing it up and putting, you know, he said something along the lines of, I bet my life, I bet my mortgage, this is the, the group that's going to get it done. Part of it's posturing from a GM that has to say certain things in certain ways and certain times and all that. But he's a smart guy and he believes it to his core. Um, I think they get it done. And as much as it pains me, I, it would be a good thing for hockey. It really would. It's all anyone in the hockey world would be talking about is watching these guys go on a cup run. I don't think they're about to do it. I don't think they're about to go from not winning a round ever with this core. They're going and winning the Stanley cup this year. I think, but they got to get past the first round, obviously. But if they, if they go win, if they win two series this coming season, two playoff series, they're going to make the playoffs, obviously get past the first round, get that off their back win another round, maybe they lose in the, in the conference final. But getting the taste of, of how the playoffs intensity, physicality, how that progresses through each round, how the stakes get even higher and how the players just, you know, they don't have to be told to work harder or to hit harder or to outskate or to do any of the things that it takes to win in those situations. They just do it. It's understood. And I think – it's not that Matthews and Marner and those guys don't know it, but they haven't lived it yet. And I think they could. So um, I don't know. It was on my mind. If you disagree with me, please let me know. I'm sure most of you will. It's fun to poke fun at the Leafs, but I do honestly think they have a chance. Um, and I think I bet we see a, a Stanley Cup with this core uh, in two or three years. Not, not this year. Oh, Tim, I'm hungry. Are you hungry? Starving. Should we go to the restaurant? There's a ton of traffic. Yeah, no, thank you. Oh, what should we do? You know what? I can't even drive, John. We'll we find another option. Oh, you know what I've heard of? It's DoorDash. Let's get some food. You know what? Let's pull up our phone. We'll get the app. We'll get some DoorDash. And you know what? This goes for all our listeners, too. If you guys want to get some food right now with Tim and I, pull out your DoorDash app, scroll around, look up a restaurant in your area. There's millions of them. Don't worry. It's not even going to be an issue. And it's going to be great. You can thank me later. Go to DoorDash. You're welcome. Teased out uh, earlier today that I was doing the solo episode without John and asked for some help picking out uh, ideas, questions to answer, whatever, so that I would have stuff to talk about. And um, you got some good responses. I'm going to you know, read a couple out. Uh, and one was, um, well, one was actually don't talk about the Bruins. Uh so someone who knows me too well and has listened to some episodes. But the next question was actually about the Bruins. So first guy, get away from me. I'm going to talk about the Bruins right now. Turn it down if you don't want to hear it. But it was a comment about how for like the last five years, pretty much since Lucic and Horton stopped being, you know, 
a thing was trying to get Krejci a legit star winger. And uh, he's played with Pasternak at time, but he really belongs on the top line. The brush we thought was going to be that guy. They finally bring in Taylor Hall. And what do we lose? Krejci. Very ironic. I think there's a chance he does come back. The, you know, um, Don Sweeney, the GM, has mentioned that the door is going to be open. Maybe he's hinting to something. Maybe Krejci just wants to take half a season or six months or whatever and play in the Czech Republic and then come back for one or two more go-arounds. But um, the irony of that whole thing is not lost on me. Another question. Uh, I think it was directed towards me because I said it was about me, but um, the best coach I ever had as a hockey player. <clears throat> um, it was the, co- the, ho- the coach I had in college, uh, you know, not surprisingly was the best coach I've had. And he, he just like, he was, uh, I think he played at my, I went to St. Anselm College in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, small liberal arts school, uh, only about 2000 students, but it was D2, like really good sports and stuff. And, um, and our hockey program had an NCAA varsity program. And we also had an ACHA men's club hockey program, which is what I played on. Um, and then intramurals and stuff. But like, because our hockey team was like, our, our NCAA team because we had one a, and because um, they were so good, they won the league championship every year I was there. They were the hockey guys on campus and no one cared that you play club hockey versus like some of the teams we played their club team was their hockey team. Right. Um, and we go and have like, you know, we traveled to Rhode Island or Maine or Vermont or whatever. And like their hockey team, like they have a full barn, they had recruiting, they had like all this gear and decked out stuff and fans and all that. And, uh, and that was a lot of fun. Those teams are obviously really good, um, but we played with them. Um, anyway, going back to the coach, cause he, he was involved with the, the, the program over the years. He coached the women's team at one point, he coached the men's team. I think he played there when he was back in the day. So he knew the game really well. He was just saying things with total confidence and saying stuff about the game that I'd never heard a coach say before the way that he saw the game, the way he approached it, the way that he, would just give like he was he was a great strategic coach and great like making plays and building systems and all that but the way he would just like at the minute tactical level of stuff I had never thought I'd never heard another coach say before um and the stuff he was giving us just had a huge impact and he was also you know a bunch of college kids were all just sloppy little men trying to figure out how to be a real person and he taught us a lot about life and and being a gentleman and how to carry yourself and preparing you for your career and all that. He hired a bunch of guys that, you know, right after we graduated, um, just a great guy. His name was Tom Bullock. Um, great coach. Uh, someone else wanted me to remind John, every time he complains about the kids these days and millennials, that he is a millennial too, which he is. He's like the oldest possible thing you can be and still be a millennial. I think he was born in like 81, 82, um, but he's a millennial. So, yeah, I will keep reminding John that next time he rants about kids these days and being an old grumpy miser, he's one of them. Uh, Another question. Best Stanley Cup team of all time. I did some digging on this because, uh, I don't know, you could talk about like the 84 Red Wing or the 84 Oilers, sorry. Um, Gretzky, Yari Curry, Messier, obviously, like these guys are incredible. Some of the Islanders team, the Montreal Canadiens teams from over the, the years, 70s and 80s. Um, but that bores me because I wasn't old enough to remember it and I don't really care. So I, I went just the team, starting with a team that I was really old enough to remember. And I'm actually going to go with the Detroit Red Wings, a 102. 
the team they had, oh my gosh, Pavel Datsuk was like basically a kid. Zetterberg wasn't even there yet. You had Fedorov and Eisenman in their prime, Holmstrom, Brett Hull, Larionov, Darry McCarty was such a good, effective physical player. Luke Robitaille, Shanahan. Then you had Chelios in the back end, Nick Lidstrom doing his thing. And obviously you had Hasek between the pipes. I mean, how can you not pick this group? What a fun group that was. Um, that was a blast to watch. And I, I, I do remember that team. And I do. That was sort of when I was first got into like playing the video games and hockey and learning those guys' name. NHL hits. Who remembers that? Um, those Red Wings, that was a team that I, I think is arguably the best team of all time. And I'm going to say him because I don't remember the others. Um, got a question about my involvement with the show and my professional background as a podcaster. Um, I feel like I talked about this a couple of times. There's an episode I did almost a year ago called who is this Tim guy anyway, something like that, uh, back in last November, but it's basically just my whole story of how I met John, how I got involved, the go listen to it. If you, if you want to, if you, if you're curious, but the short version is that, um, he used to record his podcast in the office. I used to work at, we hit it off. Uh, I don't work there anymore, but we kind of stuck together and, um, still doing it today. I'm not a professional podcaster, radio person. I've never done anything like this before. Um, I just saw an opportunity and I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Um, I do work full time during the day as a marketing professional for a marketing agency based out of Virginia. So I work remotely from home here in Traverse City, Michigan. And my job is to be a content copywriter, content strategist, SEO, all that stuff. Basically, we have clients that pay us to help them um, track the right audiences to what they're offering. And we do that through really SEO driven and well-crafted blog content, web content, all that stuff. Um, so that's what I do during the day. And some of that, you know, applies directly to what we do here for dropping the gloves and stuff that you see on social media and all that building a new website, uh, by the way. So it does tie in really well, although I will say um, growing up, you know, high school, college, I had blogs that no one ever read. I was, you know, I started my own. I joined some others that were a little bit more established, nothing, never getting paid, never attracting much attention except for friends and family, whatever. But I just had a need to, to write and a need to share my thoughts and happenings around the league, primarily about the Bruins and, and hockey in general. Um, did a lot of stuff on, you know, the Olympics in 2010, 2014, did a lot of stuff on um, the Red Sox, you know, and Patriots were all winning <laughs> championships had a lot of championships as a Boston fan. It's hard to keep it straight. Um, but there's, there was like a, you know, a predecessor to dropping the gloves in my mind where I just was so into sports media. So into, um, you know, just, just sharing thoughts and, and having opinions and um, getting them out there. So, you know, it was kind of, I, I sort of had given up on that and wasn't really worth the time or attention. I was losing interest in that during college and whatnot. And then, here I am as part of the one of the best hockey podcasts in the country. So that's pretty cool. It's a lot of fun. And I definitely don't take it for granted. Um, you know, sometimes I still I pinch myself when I mean, even talking to John on a regular basis. So I consider one of my closest friends now. But the guys we have on our show and, you know, the the access and exposure that I get is something that 15 year old Tim would not believe me. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's a lot of fun and I don't take it for granted. And you guys honestly wouldn't be possible without the support, the listeners, like, I know it's such a cliche thing to say, but those comments that we get, um, you know, the feedback, the five-star reviews, 
it's just I see every single one of them and it does. It's so special to me. It's so meaningful. I make sure, you know, I make a point of showing that stuff to John too, who's not as tapped in as I am on social media, but um, really would not be possible. So thank you. Um, You know, the last thing I want to touch on is the, the violent gentleman t-shirt. We've been sharing those. I'm not kidding. I wore mine like two or three days in a row. It's so comfortable. I've got multiple compliments on it even though I probably started to smell for wearing it for multiple days, but they look great. You can get them in either black or white Um, order a shirt, tag us like on social media. I'll give you a shout out. Um, And they help us out so that we can make more money so that John can afford to buy me breakfast. He's got six kids and a wife to take care of, uh, which isn't cheap. And, and he likes to let us know that, doesn't he? So um, help us out. It means a lot Um, repping the show. And yeah, I, I wear stuff. I wear it all the time. I need to wash it so I can wear it again. Um, So yeah, I think that'll be it for today. I don't know yet what the plan for the rest of the week is. If we'll hear back from John, if he's just going to give me the green light to keep doing this. Um, Hope you liked it. Hopefully it wasn't too boring. Definitely. You know, if you, if you did, or even if you didn't just lie and just tweet at me saying I did a great job because it'll help me. It'll make me feel good, but I want to show John. (laughs) John will think I did a good job. Uh, So tweet at us. And then, yeah, stay tuned for more. We have a few interviews lined up. We got, um, I don't even know if I'm supposed to share this, but I'm going to anyway. Max Talbot's going to be coming on. Rob Ray is going to be coming on. Um, I think Brad May is also coming on. Um, Andrew Ladd, which I think will be a really, really good one, is going to be coming on just to name the next few. So hopefully we get those all in, you know, by the end of the summer before the season starts. Um, lots of cool stuff coming out. Again, keep an eye out for that pound for pound. Um, watch the first two if you haven't yet. It's literally, it's like watching a television show, the most entertaining hockey 30 minutes you'll ever see. Um, and yeah, thank you for listening. Thanks for supporting. Give us a five-star review. Check us out on social, dropping underscore gloves. And that'll do for now. Cheers, everyone. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.